Welcome to Humans of Fintech, the podcast where I share the inspiring stories of diverse leaders bringing equity to financial systems through fintech. I'm Nicole Casperson. Today, we have a truly inspiring guest with us, fintech billionaire and trailblazer Jenny Jess. Now, Jenny is not your average success story. She's a pioneer who shattered glass ceilings and challenged the status quo in the world of finance. From beginnings as one of the first women to trade on the floor of the Chicago Options Exchange, she found herself in male-dominated spaces where even basic amenities like a women's restroom were absent. But Jenny's determination and relentless pursuit of her dreams led her to the upper echelons of Wall Street and corporate America. Today, she is the co-founder and managing partner at Peak Six, where she has orchestrated a financial empire that reaches billions. Through her investment firm, she owns Apex Fintech Solutions, a multi-billion dollar business that provides the backbone for popular fintech companies like Betterment, eToro, and SoFi. So her fingerprints are all over this fintech landscape. Yet Jenny's journey is more than just about amassing power and wealth. She's ready to step out of the shadows and enter the spotlight as she is here to show all the women in the world, especially women in fintech, that this is not just a boys club. That is also why she founded her company Poker Power, which is on a mission to train over a million women in Texas Hold'em. You might be looking at me and wondering, why Poker Nicole? Well, as Jenny explains, it's about much more than just cards and chips and and gambling or playing a game. It's about strategy, risk assessment, and smart capital allocation. Or, as Jenny says, the most important thing about it is that you're practicing making decisions. And these decisions are not only built for confidence, but also to offer a tangible way to enhance everyday work. So... Please join us as we dive into the life and journey of Jenny Just, a fintech mogul who's not only breaking through glass ceilings, but also opening the doors for so many women to follow in her footsteps. Enjoy the conversation. Jenny Just, welcome to Human Fintech. I'm so thrilled to have you joining us. I have been watching your journey ever since you kind of emerged into, well, you've been a part of the space for a while. We're going to get into that. But like, since you emerged into the space as a more public figure, and it's just been such a treat to see. And so thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Well, to kick things off, I want to ask first and foremost, is who in your life taught you the most about money and investing? So I would say I was pretty average at money, had no background in investing for a very long time. I went to business school for undergrad at the University of Michigan, where I got sort of a core foundation, but it wasn't until my first job. So my first job was at a company called O'Connor Associates, which became very, very well known and infamous in the options trading world. And of course, being part of the markets every single day. We had some extraordinary people who worked there and they taught us from scratch. So we really had to know nothing. And in fact, that same model we use today at Peak Six to teach people who come into our firm, which is why I know it's possible for you know anybody who's hardworking, curious, smart to come into the equity markets, the markets in general, and certainly you know the options markets too. Well, I love that perspective of 
almost entering a space with this know nothing mm-hmm. mindset. So much in our world tells us like, well, you have to be the smartest in the room or you have to be this or you should be all these things when really sometimes the best thing or most of the time, the best thing you can do is lead with a curious mind. Exactly. And we actually have done tests over the years with different groups and types of people and some crazy ones, mind you, that (laughs) probably, you know, from an HR perspective, aren't aren't (laughs) exactly what I should be talking about. But the truth is the smartest person isn't actually the best person for a lot of what we do at our business today. They have to be very smart, of course, but being curious and hardworking far surpassed that Mm. this idea of that you can only do money if you're if you have this certain level of IQ. Well, and a certain criteria, right? I think so. My audience on the show and my listeners here that we're speaking to, largely a lot of women in fintech, other entrepreneurs, founders of fintech companies like yourself. And it's, you know, crazy how often in, you know, my DMs on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, women will ask me, hey, you know, how do I get into the fintech space? I don't have a degree in finance. I've never worked in tech. Like, can I enter this space? And I'm always just like, of course, like what just what do you like to do? You know, there's so much room for you here. There's so much room to grow. And I think just getting out of that mindset of you don't have to have a certain background to be in this space, to be in fintech, to be in finance or investing. And you're a great yep. example, if you will, of that, considering that your emergence into kind of money and investing is your first job. That's right. And in fact, what we found today, right? So yes, we'll hire engineers. Yes, we'll hire finance majors or econ majors, but we're just as happy to have a history major or an English Mm -hmm. major or a communications major. All of those that brings diversity and breadth to idea generation when it comes to how are you going to approach the market? Because the market is, you know, it's moving every single day. It's changing every single you know, month to month and quarter to quarter and year to year. And all those different perspectives are super helpful. So if we know that we're really good at teaching people what we do, bringing somebody in who can add a new dimension to us is definitely what's kept us in business for as long as we've been. Well, speaking of your business and kind of your time in the industry, I think when I look into your background, I think one of my favorite things is there's a piece on your website, jennyjess.com, that says, that 1997 is the year that you stopped believing in Santa and started to believe in yourself. <laughs> Can you maybe elaborate on that a bit for us? Yeah, yeah, that's a little silly. It's also a little silly that I have a website, but apparently <laughs> that's what I need to do. It's not my sweet spot to be in the public eye. Obviously, I have, like you said earlier, have not been out there. And maybe when you know you think about it, that's my big risk. I always said I couldn't do it with four kids and four companies and. Of course, I've been asked, you know, for many years to do things. And my answer was no, 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. And eventually I realized, well, if if I'm not going to do it, then who's going to be that person who steps into, you know, the role model for finance, for technology, for fintech, all three of them obviously combined for women, because the numbers there, in many ways, they were slowly getting better over my career. And then obviously there's some been some big impacts with COVID, et cetera. So somebody has to do it. And I think the other really important thing for me was if I'm going to be out there, how can I really tangibly talk to women in a way that is helpful so they walk away and can do something different tomorrow than today because they heard something that made sense to them? 
Well, and it's wild how when you do put yourself out there and you have that level of authenticity and honesty and vulnerability, right? It's a lot of what the point of being on this show and being a part of my podcast is saying, hey, you know, I'm here, I'm showing up, I'm doing it with my own playbook and my own way. You know, it doesn't have to be one old boys club way. I can create my own metrics for success. And it's look what I've done. I, you know, I really do believe in the, I have, you know, about three pillars with my media company. And it's the first is that spreading of awareness, you know, that, that seems to be, it can be seem fickle or it can seem like something that isn't such a way to really change the way people see themselves and want to experience the world and enter different industries, but it truly is. And then when you share your experiences and spread that awareness of who you are, you really share those different blueprints for success. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure you've been feeling that in just the short time. Yes. And in particular, I feel it with, you know, young people like yourself, but where I can let them know, you know, I was 27 when I did it, right? When I Mm. 28, when I started Peak Six and I didn't have some big mission or some big dream where I didn't know exactly what I was going to do or how I was going to do it. But I tried nonetheless. And in many ways, maybe it was easier because there wasn't so much attention it wasn't social media and their forums weren't in our face. And and so why couldn't I do it? Nobody was telling me I couldn't do it. And I didn't see anything. I wasn't around people starting firms. So mm-hmm. when I decided to do it. It really was because at the firm we were at, that eventually were bought by Swiss Bank and uh, UBS, and they were moving to the East Coast. And so my co-founder and I were like, okay, well, I guess that means we'll just, you know, we didn't want to move. So that was the primary driver. <laughs> we'll just do this thing that we were doing there. We'll just do it again. We happened to do it a little bit differently, which was fortuitous. We started using technology really early, but nothing was telling me I couldn't. And so the truth, when people have these ideas of what it takes to be an entrepreneur, if you're born to be an entrepreneur or, you know, born to be part of, you know, sort of this money world, right? Where your product really is sort of money and tech every single day. And the only person who's really stopping you is you. And I always tell, especially the young women who who come into Peak Six, right? It's one of the most fascinating places to be because you are part of the economy. Everything that's yeah. going every single day, every single story that comes out of a company is somehow a thread to where you're going and what you're doing and why you're doing it. So you become really important part of sort of like mass culture and it's fast paced and mm-hmm. there's a lot of opportunity, right? Like there's a lot of money to be made. It's well, historically have gone there in droves. Like it's there's real opportunity for you. So when you look in the mirror at the end of the day and you say, I want to take a leap, right? It it could just be a leap. But I will tell you, Mm -hmm. knowing that I came from nothing and we are teaching young women every single day who came from, you know, no background, not nothing, Mm -hmm. but no background in this at all, that the field is wide open. Right. Well, and I love that you've really created something so tangible and so unique to bring into the space to help more women, right? I think to the tune of you've already helped around what twenty five thousand plus. Yeah, over, yeah, yeah, yeah. Over, we're over. I think thirty two thousand or something. Yeah, now. yeah, so, yeah. So. Women to understand risk taking, right? To understand and feel within them what that can feel like, and doing it with a game. All of us maybe know and love, or at least have heard of in some capacity or seen in the movies. Yes, but. With poker power, right? So, I mean, it's been really incredible, Jenny, just seeing, you know, from the Times features to just everything else going around poker power and everything you're doing to help women. First, maybe tell us a little bit about poker power for the listeners that that don't know. 
Absolutely. I'm happy to do that. So, and thank you for asking about it. It's near and dear to my heart and to, you know, we have a small team that works on it operationally every day, but a, a large team of teachers who are busy every single day teaching, you know, one more person tomorrow than today about this game that we didn't know. And what I like to say, it's it, there's been a secret and it's been right under our nose for a really long time. And it's this this game of poker that has a terrible stereotype and it's truly a game of skill. And it turns out that the skills that you learn from playing poker can help you professionally and it can help you in your everyday life. And you know, men are have been using this game for years and years. There's over a hundred and we don't really know the numbers, but certainly over a hundred million people who play poker, less than seven percent are women. And they're starting at a really young age. And what they're learning is strategy. They're learning how to take risk. They're learning capital allocation. All these things you need when you get in many ways into not just being a professional, right? Mm-hmm. But earlier on when you're in moments in classes, in classrooms, when you're interviewing for jobs, right? There are these skills that you can take with you at each one of these times in your life. And what's ended up happening as we've been on a mission to teach a million women. So just by background, I did not play poker. I learned just just now four years ago. And I was surrounded by poker players. I thought it was a complete waste of time. <laughs> um, and turns out it's not. And I p- learned to play accidentally. So, or sort of accidentally. So my daughter was playing a tennis match and her dad, so I have four kids and she, the youngest is a girl playing a tennis match, very good athlete, not winning. And her dad was watching and got frustrated. And instead of yelling at her, he comes home and he tells me she may as well be hitting against a wall. She may as well be hitting with her teacher. She doesn't realize she's playing against someone who is thinking and strategizing Mm -hmm. on the court. And she needs to learn to play poker and walks away. And I did nothing with that information. (laughs) What was I going to do with it? But you're like, okay. (laughs) And by the way, he doesn't play poker either. He had played before, but he was more like a blackjack person. And like two weeks later, I was like, should we teach our 14 year old daughter to play poker? And I keep saying this because it's like the fact that this is four years ago, I was saying it, it still sounds strange today when I say mm-hmm. it, shouldn't be strange at all. It's just a card game and it's yeah. actually a game of skill. Chess is a game of skill. Poker is a proven game of skill. Like, why wouldn't I teach my daughter to play this game? So then I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to teach her. Like, maybe she can learn with her friends. So I went to the friend's moms and said, can you just do an experiment? I just want to try this. So we had 10 girls and then the moms wanted to join. So it was 10 girls, 10 <laughs> And lesson one to lesson four, it was like a miracle unfolded. I always say the skies open, like the girls went from whispering to each other. And like, if someone lost their chips, we'd be like, you can have my chips. Um, yeah. <laughs> and sitting up straight and peeking at their cards and nobody was going to take their chips. Like I've never seen something like, it's almost like it was acting. It was so peculiar to see that transformation. I was like, there's something really here. So anyway, I was like, gosh, if we can just build confidence. And at this point, I didn't realize all the nuances to this very rich strategic mm-hmm. game. I did not know because I'm learning with them. So we started teaching more girls. And I, you know, I always say going into COVID, we were like 17 clubs in three states. And my goal was always to teach the young girls so they could start to get repetition at very mm-hmm. early age practice decision-making, practice building their confidence, not sort of these high-level skills, but just being at that table, 
doesn't matter who you're playing with. You belong at that table just like anybody else. And Mm -hmm. then would come. So as that unfolded right around the time, and I remember because there was a, there's actually a woman who stopped me in the bathroom and she, at she, it was at peak six and she had just started to learn because the peak six women, when we went to, there's about 2000 people in a peak six, when we mm-hmm. went to them, we said, can, you know, we want to teach your daughters, want to teach your nieces or your whomever. And they were like, well, it's so good for them. Why aren't we learning? And I was like, mm, that's a good idea. Anyway, so this woman stopped me in the bathroom. Remember, it was like literally like, should we be talking to each other? Because this COVID, we don't know what this COVID thing is. And she's like, I just want to say thank you. Mm. I didn't know who she was. Young girl who recently started for Peak Six. And I never thought I would sit at a poker table and I want a hand. And it's like, it's the smallest thing, but it was such a big thing. I was like, what is it that we have created around Mm -hmm. poker? And, you know, sort of these last bastions of these very, you know, gender male dominated things, like what has happened that that it was so great. I literally had like the hair rose up on the back of my neck. I was like, yeah, really affected her that much. Anyway, we start in COVID and then we realize as we're teaching the women, we start, oh, well, we can do this on Zoom. We can do this on an app. And by the way, there's no gender neutral poker app out there as far as I'm concerned anyway, which we now have built several years later. But so we start playing and then Morningstar heard what we were doing and they <laughs> oh. went to play. And so we did 30 women, 60 women, 90 women today. Now we are in 40 countries where, where we just hit over 200 companies, biggest tech firms in the world, the biggest banks in the world, biggest law firms in the world. It is crazy. We don't call a single person. They call every single day. We have another conference another association, oh, cool. another summit, another event. You know, we're leading, we're closing the AWS Women's Summit on the East Coast just a few days ago. We are teaching all of these women. Now, the interesting thing is that these corporate women totally get it. Once you start playing, and so in our sort of 90-minute, you know, one-time event, if that's what you choose, and then we have a curriculum of 12 lessons, and then we have privates after that, but you know how to play. And you mm-hmm. can sit there, you can have a strategy and you can feel confident. But the real key to the whole thing is getting reps and playing. It's like exercise, right? You don't get muscle and better, you know, heart health in one time. It's getting those reps. And that's what the men are getting. That is the secret. They are playing early, mm-hmm. they're getting a ton of reps. And guess what? It's not really about the cards. It's about yeah. the person you're playing. So yeah. this is why these computers cannot figure out this game. This is why it's a brilliant game of skill. And it looks like the classroom. It looks like my negotiation room. It looks like the deal room. It looks like the boardroom. And the mm-hmm. guys are ready. The guys are ready for it. So that first time you have to take risk when you know you both come out of school, you're equal, you have the same job, and he's going to take the risk with 60% confidence and she's needs 90% nope. confidence because she doesn't have the practice. It's not that she's not capable. It's just, I don't have the reps under my belt. I mean, I think you're it's a full circle moment from you saying that, you know, I even myself, I mean, how cool that you made this right. Because earlier you were saying like it was like it was if myself was the only real blocker. And that's really what women in male dominated spaces face. I know that from engaging with my community. You know, I'm often asked all the time, oh, Nicole, you're so brave. Oh, Nicole, you speak up. How do you do this? And it's like I can't be afraid to lose. 
Like, I just can't, I have to take the risk. I have to, and it can't, and it's calculated, you know, I'm not just like running around making crazy, doing crazy things. I'm like very strategic about it. I have to make a decision. I have to plan. Being open to being a risk taker is not a replacement for being a planner, right? It it goes hand in hand. And, and that's what in poker as a game, which admittedly I must learn. I did grow up in Texas. I grew up in Texas partly, so I do know some Texas hold'em, but I don't play it often. So we're going to fix that, though. But it ties it together, right? All in one game. And there's so many societal things that go into, you know, what your experience in in bringing, you know, poker power to life, because as women growing up, you're, you know, you're not handed a deck of cards, you're handed a doll. Like, it's just a lot goes into that. But it's so cool that you were able, you know, to find the almost the gap for women yep. within almost your own daughter first and her friends. And then, you know, it it trickled in into what this is today. And I think there's so much opportunity to help fix that. That gender gap in leadership is really where it's so it's so impactful. Right. Because even take finance, technically, like nearly half of the workforce that enters finance are women. But it's the leadership roles that end up being less than 10%, right? And it gets lower there because somewhere along the way, someone, you know, we stop and we do, we stop believing in ourselves. Do we, what is that? And so those are a lot of the, it tackles all of these different elements all at once. I learned poker with, you know, girls and moms and then it was COVID. So I had never sat at a real poker table. And now mind you, I've been in a male dominated industry. Yeah. since I got out of school in 1990. So like I've been there for a long time. I grew up with four brothers. When I first sat at the poker table, it was like a weird card room on the West side. And, but we were there with some poker power women. Like my heart was beating out of my chest. Like there is something fascinating about the cultural phenomenon that has been created. And guess what? Like I keep saying the genie is out of the bottle. We're gonna nip this thing in the bud and all of those great lessons that women can learn, like that's what Poker Power is doing, is creating a safe environment, all mm-hmm. ages, all seniority levels, all come together because nobody knows it. Nobody knows mm-hmm. how to play. You are absolutely one amongst everybody I speak to. And we're going to learn together. And we're going to figure out how to be great at this game. We don't have to play for money. We can play for money if we choose to play mm-hmm. for money. That's a whole other story. But what we can do is get reps under our belt. We can practice playing the game. And by the way, talk about like men play because it's fun. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, there are people playing to make some money, but like there's nothing better. It's cheap. It's easy, right? It's just getting your friends together. And then you learn this game of skill that actually is fun at the end. The best part of this whole thing that we had no idea what I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So these events are (laughs) all the time is the reason they're calling is because the one learns about the one because they just had the best, you know, the best time your stomach or like ERG or DEI event or whatever it was. And like, there isn't anything like it because all of us haven't experienced this feeling before, right? Mm-hmm. Of the first time you pull in your chips, the first time you do something that you, d- you know, if you hearken back to, you know, when you do things for a first time, but when you do things for a first time that it doesn't seem like you should be doing. It's totally different. And mm-hmm. we have a lot of women who are scared to do it. Let's be clear. We have a really big hill to climb. Right. Poker, like, I'm super grateful that you are listening and having me here today. But like most people turn away because it's not for them. 
even of my closest friends, like there's a third of them who jumped in right away, a third of who were like, mm, okay, maybe. And a third, I had a, you know, three drinks in before we said <laughs> to play. And, yeah. and that's just our, that's our truth. But guess what? They love it just as much as the first group love it. And they might use it totally different. But we, until we make it normal, we always talk about it like women driving in, you know, in the 20s and the 30s. Mm. They weren't driving. It wasn't societally, you know, appropriate right. to drive. Eventually, they started to drive. But it wasn't about this car, right? It was about getting to a job, about getting to school. Poker is just a vehicle. And it's a vehicle that's going to help mm. us bypassing, get to these skills that are gonna, then going to help us, you know, I keep saying that, you know, the difference between where we want to be and where we mm -hmm. are is money. Yeah. And always it's a way to practice being at the money table. And mm -hmm. that, well, that is where we get gender equality when we have money equality. And it's scary, right? Mm -hmm. It's scary for women to have those conversations around money, especially if they're not used to doing it. We have, we don't train them anywhere to really do it. I mean, mm -hmm. even, you know, financial classes, just basic stuff that's in every high school because it's not. So how do we get them there? How do we build the confidence? And so we didn't start with schools, but we're in a lot of schools. Like yeah. Kellogg was one of our first that we're with. They've been amazing at doing it. And now we've heard about like girls are actually interviewing and saying, I want to come there because I heard you're doing this poker. Yeah, so cool. So there's so many opportunities for us to do it. And you know, you can play poker at age seven, eight. Like you can do it really young and like versions of poker, even younger. So we're super excited about getting it in. So it's not even a thing, right? I always say if I hadn't taught my daughter at 14, if I had tried at 16, she probably wouldn't have listened. And like the truth is college girls, really tough to teach because nobody else is doing it. So it's kind of awkward. Like there's always a few, right? But to get the <laughs> others, you know, it's still an unknown. It's not normal for them to go and play. And then by the way, we teach our corporate women, they come home, guess what? None of their friends know how to play. Mm -hmm. A lot of layers to building up to a place where we can have women feel. So many of the, you know, women that I am friends with, even in the fintech space, they'll, when we get together, you know, we're talking about money, no problem, right? Because we're in the space. But we even will share how, okay, but when we hang out with our friends outside of the fintech or finance realm, it's like, how do we get that money conversation to them and have it over brunch? Maybe less discussions. I mean, we can still talk about, you know, whether that guy was really six feet tall from the hinge app or whatever, or we could talk <laughs> or funny. these are the discussions happening at <laughs> my brunch tables or we could talk about money and like, and is the salary that you're getting, you know, enough? We How do we negotiate that? Some of the ways that my per friends personally have ever experienced sometimes their first raise or their first negotiation was because we brought it up at hanging out right. as friends. Absolutely. No Absolutely. one else is talking to them about this. And it's kind of like it does feel crazy when you're in the space. So it's like putting that out there and getting it to girls younger, you know, getting it's like it does feel a bit like almost like girls who code, but like poker power. You know, how do we get more of these programs into schools and how do we get women to be confident young at a younger age? Because there is, I think, a level of confidence as for women as they're growing up. But then I think you're right that in the college entering the workforce realm is where I'm just pulling from my own personal experience. Yes. That's where I like my confidence just went skyrocketed down 
mm-hmm. from just like maybe nerves of entering a new place, nerves of entering the finance reporter realm where it's like the industry I'm reporting on is male dominated and the industry I'm in in media is male dominated. So but all of these like psychological things happen to us as we're we're growing up. And unless you kind of come together as a community and do something, learn something, expand your mind together. Yep. Then and that for me is the third pillar of what I do. You spread awareness, you share the blueprint, you create your own blueprint for success, and then you bring others along with you. That's right. Because poker, it, poker is sort of great in many ways because it's edgy and it's different and it's yeah eye opening, right? But at the same way, it's tricky and for people to understand. Like, wait, I should be teaching poker. I think in the last couple of months there was press and uh, you know a couple of big papers about women should be taught golf and companies should teach should pay that to pay them to learn to play golf, which I actually kind of love the idea. That being said, it's hell of a lot easier to teach poker. So you come into peak six today. Every single female and male, if they want, but really, obviously, our goal is for females because usually males know how to play. I shouldn't say that. It's not totally stereotypical, but if they want to, they can learn. They are taught poker. And when I sit and I talk to CEOs, you have an obligation. If you want to have, I mean, because ultimately, it's all we all know it's proven, right? You have a diverse workforce, you are going to be more successful. If you want a diverse workforce, you have an obligation to teach people who aren't taught certain things. Mm. Don't give me, I don't need another wine night and another whatever it is, right? I, you know, I can axe throw once. I don't need to axe throw. (laughs) Like, teach me. (laughs) By the way, I'm going to have fun. There's something really fascinating too we found. So we've been doing a lot of tests because obviously more and more people know poker, but with our senior teams playing poker together, men and women, obviously, or, or however they identify. And it's been fascinating for both sides and for our CEOs and their senior leaders to play and what they learn about each other playing this game. And it completely opens their eyes to what they've done before. And so we've been thinking about this idea around women, right? When they come into male-dominated spaces and they end up having male mentors, I don't really want to go to lunch with you. I don't really want to go to dinner with you. And I really don't want to have coffee, but what if we talk about poker? What if we yeah. talk about that hand? Why did you play it that way? What if we played against each other? What can you see about me that how am I coming across, right? Because mm. every player, when they sit down, it's different seats. Those seats all rotate, not literally, but you know, mm-hmm. the dealer button rotates all the way around and each position is called something. And how do I play given which seat I'm in for that hand? And am I aggressive? Am I passive? Mm. How are you reading me? Like, and now I can have conversations about that. How does that hand look like that meeting? Or when we were in that deal the other day, what hand do you think they had? What hand do you think I had? And all of a sudden, I have a framework that we're talking a common language. And we do it all the time now. So even the gentlemen who who are my partners who never played poker, we will use that framework to talk about how to approach a negotiation, how Mm -hmm. to work on that project differently with that person, right? Each one of those things, how do you get from A to B to C in the most effective way because you're dealing with people along the way and it's complicated. Mm -hmm. It's difficult. And certainly when you're on opposite sides of the table and you're negotiating, it's an amazing framework because ultimately you're playing to win. That's what we're teaching women. They're not taught that in their play growing up, but we're going to teach you to win. And now you decide decide how you want to do that and depending on who's at the table with you. So- Mm. 
we find it super interesting that, and so we've been thinking about what kind of product might come out post. Yeah. Imagine, we always said a million women. It's not really a million women, right? Well, I want half the poker players in the world to be women, which means we have a very long way to go, which is why we built the Poker Power Play app, which is newly launching. It really is launched to our community and not out to the general public, though. They can download it. So, But gender-neutral poker app where you can get on and you can practice with bots. Mm. You You can create games yourself. You can educate yourself on it. And then, of course, you can play with our community games with our teachers. So, Oh, hold on. So so now there's an app. The app hasn't launched yet. Do we know? No, it is. It's out. It's out. No, no, you can download it today. And uh, it's out for, you know, I don't know how many weeks now, 14 weeks or something like that. But, you know, working all the bugs out. And we always knew that we had to do this. So while we were waiting for the tech to be built, because it took time, it's, you know, 18 to two years, roughly, that we've been working on it. There's only like seven or eight supposedly poker engines on the planet. So we had to build one. We failed the first round and then the second round, we've got it. So we're super excited about it. But now how do we give it to you, right? How do I look like Hello Sunshine Reese's <laughs> Club? You know, how is poker the new book club? And how yeah. do I you in a way that really feels something different than what that it appears to me? And yeah. so- Getting the engine itself was step one. So that's where we are as sort of step one with the basics. Was so you can learn, so you can practice, so you can play. But as we roll out and really wrap it in its in a sort of soft landing, so women want to keep going back and getting those reps, the Peloton of poker type of idea. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do I give you your stats? How do I make sure you're taking your 10,000 steps a day? For you now, how many hands are you playing? How many hands are you folding? So you start to learn about your own style, about your own play, and then you can practice. So then when you get in a negotiation, you're like, this is what I should be doing here. Mm-hmm. I've seen that pattern before. I've seen when I play against yep. someone like this before. And now, you know, you can get on every day. You can get on every night. You can play in our community games, which are like three times a day. It's just fun to be with the women in the app, which is also weird, like, because I was not an online gamer and now playing in the app. All of a sudden. <laughs> that community is... And it's weird that you know, like you can see how people play. Like I never thought it's like, it's just cards. It is what it is. Oh no, you can see, you learn how people play and through the app, which is incredible. Nothing can displace the in-person event, of course, right. which is just fun. Like Yeah, just no, like pure joy. <laughs> just pure joy. Like we do poker brunch. We do poker lunches. We do obviously yeah. we do hours, right? Because our, our goal is to teach, right? It's, you know, people think of it as a late night thing. It's not really. We right. do it during the day when we have poker events at Peak Six, where four o'clock getting on company wide to play. So we all get to play together. But anyway, so we are coming around phase two. So the technology can get in more people's hands faster, but we still have to get to them. So that's our next step. Community feels like the key word here. Like, I love the idea of this app just being like integrated into a part of the resources that other very female-led communities or just women-centric communities have. Like I have my women in fintech community here with, you know, Fintech is Femme, my larger media brand. And I'm like, you're sharing about the app. And I'm like, how do I get us to do a everyone? I'm going to make everyone download the app. That's right. And like, let's have a like a poker playing party online together because we're all remote and we're in different places. You know, maybe the folks in the LA community do one, you know, together in person. And then we do one, you know, if obviously like I would love to bring poker power to the Fintech is Femme community physically. But before that can, that happens, 
even just having the online version to get right. your feet wet, yep. I think is like so key and such a fun thing to do together. Cause I'm with you, Jenny. Like I love a cocktail party. Don't get me wrong, but like, I want something more tangible. You know, I stopped hosting, you know, happy hours all the time with my community. Cause I'm working on something that is way more centered around growth mindset. That's yep. way more centered around a mission of, I want you to be the innovative force and leader that I know you already are. And I just want to provide the resources to help you get there. Right. And this is like a huge, yeah, right. This is a huge piece of that resource, and it encompasses all of it—from the decision making yep. to understanding strategy to the to risk taking to even money mindsets, right? And right. how that triggers into everyday life. And I think that is particularly so important for the women in the fintech space because fintech, you know, we kind of talked about it at the top, but I I love this industry and I stay covering this space because of its ability, especially when women lead, to to make change happen, to progress the world forward, to help to make the economy more equitable for more people and more accessible. And a lot of the companies that, you know, Apex powers from, you know, SoFi to Toro are companies that have done that. That's exactly. um, Yeah. And so it's just like, it's such a cool like circle that you've, an ecosystem that you've created and yeah, and I'm just like excited to spread the word. I'm excited to get involved. I'm yes. about to, when we finish this, I'm going to download the yeah. app immediately. Yeah. Everyone listening, because <laughs> what? Like, I, yes, I need this in my life. And I think that it's, you know, I guess something I would ask you is just like for my audience in particular, you know, what for the women in fintech audience in particular, what do you think is just like, there's so many things that are important, but if there's yeah. one key, key thing, you know, you want to share with them about learning poker, about building up these type of skill sets, you know, what would you maybe say? Yeah, this one, uh, and I thought about this one for a long time, and because we worked really hard to try and get women in our trading business in particular, obviously, we have a bunch of businesses, our trading is the core one that has really powered us and allowed us to do everything that we've done all these years. How do we get women making decisions around money? Like I say capital allocators, how do we get women pressing the button? So that was really our goal. And in that process, what came out of that personally for me, because that took us, we had two fails. And then finally on our third one, we've had a program now, our women's trading experience. And now our women's technology experience happens in the summer, eight to 10 weeks for both of them. But what I've learned figuring out those programs. So now we for sure, I mean, no one can touch us in percentage of capital allocators that are women. Like mm. you know, a bank might say they have 40 to 50% women. Yes. But how many are making decisions around money is really yep. the key. And so we're in the low 30%, which is extraordinary for the industry, you know, especially in options trading, God forbid, like if you have one or two typically. But what I learned through that process, the most important thing is, is to not be around the money. But I always say to be in money conversations or on the money conversations, no matter what it is. So let's say you work in product. Well, what are you doing? Why you're doing it? And how does it affect the money? How does it help the company save money? How does it help the company make money? Whatever those questions are that relate it back to the money, because that business, I mean, this can be a not-for-profit too, right? Because they're not in business if they can't figure out the money. Yeah. So how do you connect yourself back? If you're an engineer, if you're in the finance department, if you are you physically make product, yep. how do you make the product faster? How do you make the product less expensively or cheaper? 
how do you keep how do you grow or shrink a team when you need when there's more or less opportunity how are you thinking about that the reason why you end up having so few people at the top because oftentimes it's not supernatural because somebody tells you what to do and then you go do it and you're like oh, mm-hmm. I did my job and I did it really well and yeah but were you thinking about why you did the job? Because even better if someone asked you to do that and you said, I don't think that's the best way to do it. And here's why. And it relates back to, you know, the return on time and the return on investment mm-hmm. for doing it that way. So mm-hmm. connecting back to the money, doesn't matter if you're in fintech, certainly if you're in fintech, you will be doing it. But whatever job you hold that you're relating it back to the money, it will make your brain think differently. And more often it'll, you know, obviously it'll help you when you're at home mm-hmm. with how you run your house, how you run your daily life. Like I'm making decisions every day. Am I making coffee at home or am I buying one out? What's the difference? Mm-hmm. Might not be a big difference for me. So it doesn't really matter. Or it might make a difference for me. If I keep connected to it, I should always know my money, my personal money, where it is, how much it is, like mm-hmm. it should like right off the top of my head as a female or as a male, doesn't matter or uh, however you identify. But when you get to that office, you want to have the largest impact that you possibly can. You've got to be connected to the money. Mm. So well said. It reminds me, you're giving me the same vibes that my like reporting professor who, when I was in college, she was West Texas correspondent for AP News. Uh, yes. And it was so such a treat to get to learn from her as an aspiring and now current journalist. But she always instilled in us, follow the money. Like that was like the journalism phrase. And it's so cool that I literally apparently did that. Um, <laughs> but that's it. You know, it's breaking out of the mindset that money oh, money's everything and it feels vain or feels like weird or whatever. And realizing that, no, it's understanding that money is everything adjacent. You know, it's everything that gives us, you know, the freedom that gives us the possibilities, that gives us the choices, that gives us all these things. And that's like the fuel that we need. And so to be the leaders and authentic selves that we want to be. And so that flip of the mindset. And I think that when you're dealing with a game like poker where, right, you're all in, with the money and at the money table, then that conversation feels less strange. You're used to it. And like you said, just getting your reps in like at the gym, it really just like makes me think of how so many women are just, I think that there's like a wave of entrepreneurship right now too. Yep. And if you can like instill this at an early point in the entrepreneur journey. Yes then guess what? Maybe, especially I'm like, I'm like women in fintech, my audience, then like raising capital, right? Becomes easier. Navigating the venture field, like doing all of those things. And it all goes back to a game uh, that centers some money conversation and strategy. So and I will tell you, cool. you will change the face of those men who you're trying to raise money from if they know you play poker. Right. Just mm-hmm. just they think you play poker. Yeah. And we talked about this, you know, having a certification and for women who do play the okay, so it's really strange. I will tell you one thing. In this process of being more public, and I've talked to a lot of senior women, certainly in the finance and the fintech area, shocking number of very senior women. And I will tell you it's just my own data. I would call it 65, 70% of those women grew up playing poker. Mm. You know, the woman who runs NASDAQ, the woman who's you know, yeah. a senior person who runs trillion dollar in assets under management, Nuveen, that it just keeps going on and on. They all grew up playing poker. They don't think about it, right? Just like men don't think about it. But wow, if it's helped them think about money differently, 
And someday, hopefully that research will be done. We're actually in the process of doing other research as we speak with hopefully starting with Harvard in fall and Kellogg in fall. And then we have a woman at USC who started some research. And then finally a group in East Kenya, actually. We're in East Kenya teaching um, marginalized girls to the Global Give Back Circle. Super exciting. They've actually taken their entire leadership program and made it poker power. Wow. How effective it has been for these young women. They built their own poker tables and we teach over Zoom. So now we are going to have teachers who actually reside there. So we're bringing, making some of those teachers in Kenya actually poker power teachers. So it's really incredible what that group is. She has done with almost 6,000 girls over the years. And so now we are just teaching them poker because it's about negotiation. How do they get out of the home? How do they mm-hmm. go and learn skills? And they have to learn to negotiate with their families and try and get out of the places they're in. So Mm -hmm. each one of these layers of research that we do will help sort of foundationally those people who are not quite convinced, right? Or think negatively about poker. Hopefully people like yourself though, and for all of us starting to play simultaneously, like to getting the research because research takes time, tech takes time. Like we start to learn ourselves and then we have enough voices who are also spreading the same message. 100%, 100%. And I'm loving just like the feeling of also that decision making and like the quickness of it, right? Like going from, okay, I have to make a decision to the decision has been made, right? And just kind of eliminating a lot of that second guessing that happens as women that exist in in our current society. Uh, Gosh, so I love every, oh my gosh, I could, we could go on forever. But, (laughs) but because we can't, (laughs) <laughs> Instead, <laughs> I wish we could. Well, we can, of course, in, in yeah. a different way. But yeah, you know what? I'm going to link in the show notes, Poker Power and all of that good stuff. So be sure to check out that. I'm going to let my community know and be well aware of the app. I'm going to download it right now after the minute we get off this. I'm so excited. And let's get our reps in, you know? Let's get our reps in. Let's get our reps in. Ah, well. <laughs> I love it. Jenny, thank you so much for joining me on Humans of Fintech. Thank you for all the work that you're doing. I'm excited to keep growing Poker Power and just be a part of the journey. Thank you so much. We, I would sincerely appreciate it and congratulations on all your success. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. To hear our next story from another diverse leader, be sure to tune in next week. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our show and give it a five-star rating as it helps our message reach more people who want to find belonging too.